Good evening, church. Welcome to the third life class for the month of May. Hasn't it been an exhilarating journey so far? Understanding the grace of God. And we're in for another great teaching tonight. You will be blessed. We give God all the glory. We give God all the praise. Don't miss next week, Wednesday. It's the final Wednesday in the month of May. And it's going to be an interactive question and answer period. But also a time of climatic teaching. Because I'm going to have a guest with me on next week, Wednesday. The one and the only, the pastor of House of the Rock, Mina. A prince of preachers, uh, an apostle of grace himself. Pastor Pete Rock Sadiq will be with us next week, Wednesday. You don't want to miss that session. He has so much insight and a lot to share with us. I'm going to be a student too. We'll be bantering and you will be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's get into today, today's teaching. You are going to be blessed. Open your Bibles very quickly to the feigned portion of scripture that talks about our a salvation process through grace and that's Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, 4 to verse 10 Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 to verse 10 here begin the reading of God's holy word but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together in Christ by grace have you been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Oh Jesus, help me tonight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith is the receptacle. Faith receives the grace that God gives. Mercy, remember, withholds the judgment that we, we deserve, while grace gives us the divine favor and enablement that we do not deserve. Grace saves us. What is the purpose of grace? Is it just to save us? Was it just a blank check or was it just a get out of jail free card? Our pilot text goes further to start to unveil the purpose of grace. It says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Listen to what it says for, for good works. Once you see the word for, it's telling you the purpose, it's telling you what it is for. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. My goodness. Listen to this and get this straight right now. We are not saved by our works. But we are saved to work. We are not saved by our works, but we are saved to work. God always prepared beforehand good works for us to do. So the entrance of grace is not the exit of works. It's only that the premise and the sustenance of the works are, are different now. 
we do not work to be saved. We work because we are saved. Do you get it? what I'm saying now? Don't put the cart before the horse. We do not work to be saved. We work because we are saved. We work out of gratitude for our salvation. But this work is still not in our own strength. We're still not doing it in our own strength. This work is sustained by a strength source beyond the natural, outside the natural. This work is enabled by grace. So we are saved by grace through faith to do the good works that God always foreordained for us to do by the self-same grace that saved us. So grace doesn't just save us. Grace also enables us to live the life. Grace is not just the, the, the doorway to the new life in Christ Jesus, but it is every room in the house too. Hallelujah. Grace goes beyond salvation. The subject of my meditation tonight is grace beyond salvation. Let's pray. Mighty Father, I ask that you send the anointing that makes preaching, teaching, and sharing your truth easy, that you cause my tongue to be as the pen of the ready writer, that I may describe upon the hearts of the men and women that are listening tonight your living truth, and that by reason of that truth, they will be elevated to a new level of experience with you. Oh God, cause me to rightly divide your word and cause the mysteries of your grace to be freely and unveiled before your people today in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for yokes destroyed. Thank you for burdens lifted. Thank you for great emancipation, liberation, joy, and freedom in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's take a moment and talk about one of the most famed apostles, uh, my favorite apostle in the scripture. Let's talk about Apostle Paul. Let's talk about Apostle Paul and his secret. Secret. The Apostle Paul is easily the most talked about apostle of all the apostles in the Bible. Yet, he was not one of the original 12 disciples who became apostles who followed Jesus. He came on the scene after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And even, in fact, quite a few um, years afterwards, after this had already happened. In fact, Paul was one of those that persecuted the church of God. Yet the scriptures let us know that by the time Paul came in on the scene, he labored more than all of the other apostles. My goodness, Paul was the most prolific of the apostles. Even at his own admission, Paul did not have the pleasure of knowing Jesus in the flesh, but he knew him better than even the apostles that walked with him in the flesh by the revelations that he got from the Holy Ghost. Paul penned the larger portion of the New Testament. This man, Paul, was phenomenal. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. You know what that means? That means he's our apostle. He's my apostle. He's your apostle. Because we were not born Israelites. We were not born Jewish. So we are Gentiles. So God raised up Paul and sent him to us to make us learn that the mystery of grace is actually not just for the Jews, but for the whole of creation because God had told Abraham that in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Uh, Paul, Paul confirmed not with men while he crystallized his theology, his understanding 
of salvation and what Jesus came to do. Paul was willing to, to, to stand up against established authority and religion when he withstood Peter about the gospel to the Gentiles, but yet he was still sensitive enough and humble enough to, to repent when he overstepped his bounds. This Paul, Paul suffered many things for the sake of the gospel. Paul, he, 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 he was the one that stood up on the Mount of, of, of Mars Hill where there was so, many, so much idol worship going on and he came to that altar to the unknown God and he stood there with great eloquence and intelligence and he preached about our Lord and Christ. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Let's look at the portrait of, uh, of this apostle. Let's listen to what Paul said about even himself in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 to 28 he says i am I, I, I am more in labor in labors more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons more frequently in deaths often from the jews five times i received 40 stripes minus one three times i was beaten with rods once i was stoned three times i was shipwrecked a night and a day i have been in the deep in journeys often in perils of waters in perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen in perils of gentiles in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren in weariness and toil in sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and nakedness beside the other things which come upon me daily my deep concern for all the churches listen to what paul said about it look at himself look at all the things that he went through paul his grasp of theology and the revelation of christ was profound his ability to settle great divisions even in the church of god with the stroke of his pen was phenomenal he did so much for the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about Paul for multiple years and we will still be talking about Paul for more years to come. But then listen to what Paul says about himself in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. For I am the least, he says I am the least. I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said that because of what I had done before coming to salvation, I should not even be called an apostle. And if I am called an apostle, then I am the least of the apostles. But then listen to verse 10. This is where he unveils his secret. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. In this text, he unveils and reveals his secret. He said, it is all by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God that I am what I am. 
Paul's big secret was the grace of God. The reason that Paul could do so much more than everybody else, that he labored more than all the other apostles, was not because of his own unique abilities, was really, he gives all the credit to the grace of God. He said that the grace of God towards him was not in vain. To be in vain means to be of no effect, causing no change. Uh, He said that the grace of God in my life caused the change. It had an effect. Listen to me, brother. Listen to me, sister. There should be a marked difference between when you receive the grace, when you receive the grace of God and when you did not have the grace of God. There should be a before and after grace story of your life. We should be able to see a difference when you encountered and received grace. If we can't see any difference between before grace and after grace in your life, then the question can be raised. The query can arise that have you truly encountered grace? Because when you truly encounter grace, it totally turns around your life. It changes your life. It delivers you from sin and sickness and all of that. And it empowers you to live the life that God has called you to live. Outside of Christ, Paul is the most profound teacher and preacher of grace. He unveiled grace to us like never before. And in this text, in this text, he exposes grace beyond salvation. Grace beyond salvation. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. He says that I, I have labored more than all the other saints, yet not I, but the grace of God upon me. He started to show us grace beyond salvation, grace beyond the point of being saved. We have often limited grace to only saving grace. The challenge is that we have limited grace to the to, to be the agent that saves us only. We see grace only as the opening of the door into the new life, but after we have entered the door of grace, we live in the house by our works, by our own efforts. We subconsciously believe that after being saved by grace, we must now repay the grace that has that saved us by living a life of works. So after being freely saved by grace, we attempt to earn the salvation we already have by the works of the law. Oh my goodness. We are trying to pay back for what has already been freely given to us. We are falling into the error of Eve, who was already in the image and the likeness of God, but was being deceived by the serpent to do something to become what she already was. You cannot receive salvation by grace and then try to use works to earn the salvation that has already been given to you. No, sir. The grace of God is not just the opening of the door. It is the same grace that enables my working the good works. Hallelujah. I do it all by the grace of God. That's my secret. Even as an individual, at various phases and times of my life, many people have come and have asked me that, what, what, how do you do what you do? How do you keep on keeping on? How do you take a licking and keep on ticking? How do you go through the fire and you're not consumed through the flood and you didn't drown? Let me tell you my secret. It's the same as Paul's secret. It is the grace of God. So grace is not just saving, it's also 
enabling. There is saving grace, if you like, and there is enabling grace. We were meant to start with grace, continue with grace, and finish with grace. Paul often refers to grace in the context of his activities, the things that he did. So for Paul, grace wasn't just what saved him. It was grace that enabled him to do everything that he did. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the grace of God is available even today to enable you and to help you in the mighty name of Jesus. What is grace? I mean, we have so many definitions of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, grace is still even more than a lot of our def definitions. And the, what I'm trying to zero you in on tonight that I want you to see is that grace is divine enablement. Grace is divine enablement to be what you couldn't be before, to do what you couldn't do before, to go where you couldn't go before, to achieve what you couldn't achieve before. We have to remove the limits of grace. You have to take the limits of the grace of God. Hallelujah. It is divine enablement to do what you couldn't be, do before, to be what you couldn't be before, to go where you couldn't go before, to achieve what you couldn't achieve before. Grace is what takes you out of the realm of the natural into the realm supernatural, out of the realm extraordinary into the realm extraordinary. That's the grace of God. Hallelujah. In the book of Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 and 21. Galatians 2 verse 20 and 21. Paul again is writing and he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. It's not I that's living, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen to verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For, it, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Here Paul talks about not frustrating the grace of God. What does it mean to frustrate something? To frustrate. To frustrate is to prevent a plan or, or, an, or attempted action from progressing, succeeding, or being fulfilled. It is to prevent someone from doing or achieving something. It is to cause someone to feel upset or annoyed, typically as a result of being unable to change or achieve something. Synonyms for frustrate include to thwart, to defeat, to foil, to block, to stop, to counter, to spoil, to circumvent, to disappoint, to bar, to dash, to squash, to, to, to cr cr crush, to derail, to nullify, to obstruct, to impede, to hamper, to hinder, to stifle, to exasperate, to discourage, to depress. All of these speak about frustrating. And Paul says that I have not frustrated the grace of God. It is possible to receive grace and still frustrate grace. You frustrate someone when you do not allow the person to do what he came to do. Then he's frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated before you wanted to achieve something but situation circumstance or even our opponents didn't allow you to achieve it so you are frustrated when your efforts didn't yield the results you wanted it to to yield then you are frustrated now he talks about frustrating the grace of God we frustrate the grace of God when we don't let grace do what grace came to do we frustrate the grace of God when we don't let grace do what grace 
came to do. Hallelujah. You've got to let grace have her place in our lives. We've got to take the limits of grace. In the context of the verse that we just read, we frustrate the grace of God by going back to attempt to achieve righteousness by the works of the law, self-effort. So every time we backslide from functioning in the grace of God and attempt to be righteous by our own efforts, our own self-effort, the works of the law, we are frustrating the grace of God. We frustrate the grace of God by not allowing that self-same grace empower us. And then we are seeking to be empowered from other sources. We frustrate the grace of God when we use it only for salvation, when grace wants to do so much more in our lives. Hallelujah. We've got to embrace grace fully. We've got to take the limits of grace. Now, let's talk a little bit about the dispensations of mankind, the dispensation of grace. Dispensationalism is a method of interpreting history that divides God's work and purposes through mankind into different periods of time. There are seven dispensations of man. One, the dispensation of in innocence. Adam and Eve was in a dispensation of innocence. The dispensation of conscience, when man was left to be able to, to decide for themselves what was right and what was wrong. The dispensation of human governance, which is exemplified when Nimrod came onto the scene and there was some order going on then. Then we have the dispensation of promise, when the covenant promise was given to Abraham. We have the dispensation of the law. That's number five, which is with Moses who came to give us the law. And then number six, we have the dispensation of grace. And then number seven, we have the dispensation of the millennial rule of Christ. Hallelujah. Right now, the millennial rule of Christ has not come. We are currently in the dispensation of grace. Glory to God. We need to therefore understand the workings of grace. Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 and 17, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will... A dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. He's saying that I get a reward if I'm doing it willingly. But even if I do it against my will, I, I will miss out on the reward. But there's a dispensation of the gospel committed to me. There's a responsibility committed to me. A dispensation of the gospel was committed to Paul. You know, it's like passing the baton on. A baton had been passed on to him and it was therefore his responsibility to take care of that baton until he passed it on to the next generation. What was the dispensation of the gospel that was committed to Paul? What was this baton that was given to Paul? We read about it in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 8. He says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, I will apprehend that for which I was apprehended. When he says he's the prisoner of Jesus Christ, he said that Christ apprehended me for a purpose. The prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. So he understood that his apprehension was so that he would take the gospel of grace to the Gentiles, to you and to me. 
verse 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation, listen to what he says. He says, that heard of the dispensation of grace, of the grace of God, which is given me to you. So earlier on in the book of Corinthians, he talked about the dispensation of the gospel. Now defining the specific part of the gospel that was committed to Paul's hand, he talks about the dispensation of grace, the grace of God given to him for us. Hallelujah. Unto me who am the least, verse 8, unto, unto me who am the least, who, who, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I would preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So the dispensation that was committed into the hands of Paul was the dispensation of grace. Paul, therefore, was the apostle of grace. Paul continually made reference to the grace of God. And the grace of God was Paul's big secret. Hallelujah. And it's supposed to be our big secret also. And it's not supposed to be a secret any longer. Hallelujah. It's secret no more. Now we declare to the world that grace is available. You must understand, I'm starting to break it down, I'm starting to teach deeply here right now. Apart from the all-encompassing grace that God has made available to us all, there is still specific grace that God gives to each one of us. Listen to Paul. Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10, he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds upon it. What is he talking about it? He's saying that there's a specific grace that God has given me to be a wise master builder. He has given me the grace to lay a solid foundation that will stand the test of time, that will stand the test of eons. And somebody else has the grace to build upon the foundation that I have laid. Do you, do you hear that? Do you understand that? Paul is saying that the dispensation of God's grace that was given to him was that of laying the foundation. And somebody else has a grace to do something else with that foundation. So there are different dispensations of the grace of God, not just in terms of time now, but in terms of the assignment that God gives you. Hallelujah. So with the dispensation of grace, there are specific dispensations of grace given to churches and to people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are churches that have a specific dispensation of grace upon them to bring something new, fresh, add something special to the progressive revelation of the body of Christ, such as individuals also that sometimes are given a specific grace to focus on something in particular and release it to the body of Christ. Listen to what the Bible also says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, but to each of us, to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he gives various gifts of grace, specific grace. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors and teachers. He gives you grace for his assignment for your life. Whatever he has called you to do, he gives you the specific grace for that assignment. And guess what? In the course of your life, there are also specific graces for specific seasons 
of your life. Hallelujah. You have a grace in a particular season for the assignment of that season. And there can be a shift in the grace to a new specific grace for the new season that you are entering into. I feel strongly that even somebody that is listening to this message right now, God is shifting you from one season into a new season, from one assignment into a new assignment. And you now need to tap into, embrace and receive the grace for that new assignment. I release the grace for the new assignment upon you right now in the name of Jesus. Receive grace to do that which God has called and assigned you to do in the name of Jesus. So there are specific graces that are given to us and you need to find your grace. It's a lifetime adventure finding your areas of grace and finding where you are naturally graced. I am graced to teach. I am called as an apostle, prophet, a pastor, a teacher. Uh, and so I have the grace to teach. I have the grace to open the word of God and see things that possibly other people don't easily or naturally see. But there's a grace, a dispensation of grace upon my life that enables me to be able to do that. Uh, and uh, it's an adventure discovering more and more about the grace of God and the specific graces that are given to each and every one of us. We, are too we have too often abused grace, relegating grace to a 50-50 proposition. But that devil is a liar. Grace does not fail. There are different types of grace, so all under the bigger umbrella of grace, okay? There is saving grace, if you like. There is enabling grace. There is winning grace that causes you to win. Ha, hallelujah. There's a grace for financial breakthrough and prosperity for those who have an assignment to fund the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And God is raising end-time financiers, even in this day and age, hallelujah, to fund the move of God. May you be one in Jesus' name. May I be one in Jesus' name. We have a very interesting um, a portion of scripture. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to um, reference it in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. Paul speaks of asking God to remove a thorn from his, from his flesh three times, but God refused all three times. And God replied, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm not going to get into all the theological debates around what that thorn was or was not. But listen to the answer of God. God says, I ain't going to re re remove the thorn. But guess what? My grace is sufficient for you to be able to endure that thorn remaining with you. Oh, Lord Jesus. God was revealing yet another dimension of his grace to Paul. You see, Paul knew the grace that saved. God, Paul knew the grace that enables. Paul knew the grace that grants victory. But God was introducing Paul to the grace that endures. He was introducing Paul to the grace that enables you to be able to endure even uncomfortable scenarios. There is a grace that delivers you from things, but there is also a grace that delivers you out of things. And there is also a grace that delivers you through. It, it just stays with you throughout that thing. Where your testimony is not that you avoided the trouble or you got out of the trouble, but your testimony is that despite the trouble, 
you are still standing. Hallelujah. And it's all by the grace of God. Somebody go ahead and give God the praise and the thanks right now that you are still standing and you realize that you are still standing. Not because nothing ever came against you. Not because you didn't go through a hard time. But rather it's because of the grace of God. His strength showing forth through my weakness. Treasure in earthen vessels. Sometimes the testimony is that you are strong enough to go through it, to stand through it. Sufficient grace. Grace does not fail. It's always sufficient. Hallelujah. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. I plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. I beg you not to receive the grace of God in vain. This plea would not have been necessary if it was not possible to receive the grace of God in vain. It is possible to receive the grace of God in vain. It's like frustrating the grace of God. In our pilot text, or in our, one of the verses I read earlier, Paul said, His grace which was bestowed upon me was not what? In vain, in vain. To be in vain means to be wasted, producing no results, useless, having no meaning or likelihood of fulfillment. Synonyms for in vain include futile, pointless, to no purpose, hopeless, ineffective, impotent, fruit, fruitless, profitless, unrewarding, unproductive, unsuccessful, failed, aborted, for nothing, thwarted, frustrated, foiled. Ha, shakabosa. And it says that don't receive the grace of God in vain. How can grace be in vain? Now that we understand that grace is not just what saves us, but it's also what enables us. It is unction to function. If you do not function, then the unction has been in vain. Did you get it? If you don't function, then the unction to function has been in vain. Grace was not given to you to just feel good. You are meant to do something with the grace that has been given to you. If you do nothing with the grace that was given to you, then the grace was in vain, wasted, futile, pointless, unrewarded, fruitless, profitless, for nothing, and so on and so forth. You are meant to do something with the grace of God. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I are meant to grow in grace. Not so much um, the grace increasing, quote-unquote, in our lives, as much as we are growing in the knowledge, the revelation, the understanding of grace. Grow in the unmerited favor and the divine enablement of God. How do you grow in grace? You grow in grace by knowledge and understanding. Understanding more and more the grace of God from grace to grace. Grace for grace, that's growth. Grace be multiplied unto you, that's growth. Let me move further as we're starting to come to the close of this. In the book of Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, listen to what it says. It says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Woo! It says, let your speech always be with what? With grace seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. We are to speak 
with grace. We are to speak with grace. What does it mean to speak with grace? Remember that grace is divine enablement. So grace is an, an enabler. So when he says that you should speak with grace, he says, speak in a way in an in an in an enabling way speak in a way that enables your recipient to be able to respond to whatever you said without having to be defensive speak in a way that is enabling for people to be honest to be open and honest to be transparent let your speech be with grace seasoned with salt don't lie, tell the truth, but learn how to speak in a gracious way that enables and facilitates open and honest conversation. Speaking with grace facilitates growth in grace. One of my most favorite verses, or one of my favorite, my, my top favorite verses on grace is the one in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And it says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make all grace, all grace. That means every type of grace needed. Whatever grace you need, God is able to make it available. God is able to make all grace. Do you need grace to, to, to save? Do you need grace to enable? Do you need grace to win? Do you need grace to, 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 to endure? Do you need grace to break through? Do you need grace to understand? Do you need grace to teach? Do you need grace to sing? Do you need grace to minister? I don't know what type of grace you need, but my God is able to make all grace. Whatever grace you need, my God is able to make it available to you. All graces, every type of grace. And then it says, always. God is able to make all grace to abound towards you. Uh, uh, that you always, I love that word always. Always means at all times and in all your ways. Did you get that? It's talking about time and space. It says that God is able always, always, at all times, whatever the time is, God is able to make grace available. Whatever the way you're walking is, in is, God is able to give you the grace to walk through that way. Then it talks about all sufficiency. You have an all sufficiency. And all sufficient means that, means that nothing is lacking that you need. God is able. Hallelujah. And he concludes again by re revealing the purpose of grace. And when he says that you may have an abundance for every good work. So all grace to do the good work for ordained by God. He makes available all grace always that you might have all sufficiency for the good work that God ordained us to do. So we conclude by now answering the big question. So if grace is an enabler and if all grace is available, how do I tap into this grace? How do I access and walk in this enabling grace? Well, I'm going to answer that question by asking you a question. How were you saved by grace in the first place? You heard the words of faith. You believed the words of faith. You asked and you received by faith and acted as, as if it was so and it was so. 
This was not a transaction in the realm of your emotions. This was a transaction in the realm of faith. Living by grace or accessing the grace for life is by the same process. Enabling grace is accessed the same way that saving grace is accessed. We access this grace uh, for abundant life, for enabling grace by faith. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't feel graced, you might say. It's not a function of your feelings or emotions. It's a function of your faith. Just like you accessed grace for salvation through faith, so you access enabling grace through faith. The just shall live by faith. And I came to tell somebody tonight that all grace, more grace, much more grace is available to you for the asking and the receiving by faith. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Hallelujah. I don't know, maybe you are in a time of need right now. Grace is available. Now it's time for you to come boldly. Boldly, because of what Jesus has done, come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace in the time of need. Believe, ask for it, receive it by faith and act like it is so. Act in faith that you have it and you will have it. Faith unlocks grace. Faith unlocks grace. So whenever I receive an assignment, uh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to go there. By faith, I ask and I receive the grace to do that assignment. Like I receive the grace to preach this message to you today, to share these truths with you today. I don't know what you are going through right now. I don't know what you are facing. I don't know what your situation is. But the grace of God is available. The grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God is all powerful. And all you need to do is receive it by faith. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that the dispensation of grace that you need and the dispensation of grace that is specific to your assignment will now be fully abounding in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you are out there and you are not yet in the grace of God because you have not repented of your sin and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is your moment. This is your time. Harden not your heart in the day of salvation. God is tugging upon your heart and pulling you right now. I, 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 I beseech you by the mercies of God that you receive this awesome gift of grace. If you are ready to receive this, this gift and have your life changed, please repeat these words of prayer after me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done. Thank you for the price that you paid for me. Today, I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart and I have made this confession with my mouth. So by faith, right now, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am born again. Out from under the law and now fully in the grace of God. Amen and amen.
if you prayed that prayer, you are indeed saved and I am super elated to welcome you into the body of Christ, to welcome you into this common wealth of grace that we now have. We want to help you grow in grace from being a child of God to becoming a mature son of God. So please direct message us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email in the church office or follow the pathway that's on our website and let's get with you to help you to grow. You need to be planted in a local assembly where iron sharpens iron and where the, the, the fellowship, the assembly of the saints will help you to emerge glorious in the purpose of God for your life. So please, please get in touch with us and, and let's get that rolling. Uh, don't miss next week, Wednesday. We can't close out tonight's service without giving you an opportunity to give unto the work of the Lord. I encourage you to give uh, generously. Interestingly, the verse that talked about all grace abounding towards you and all sufficiency always and all of that is in the context of he that sows spirally will reap spirally. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It's in the context of when he later even talks about um, he ministers seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So I want to encourage you that you be generous in your giving and you sow abundantly towards the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. I speak blessings over every giver, every seed sower. I decree and declare the bountiful harvest will be yours in the name of Jesus. When they say there's a casting down, you will say that there's a lifting up. Looking forward to having you with us again on Sunday and also next week, Wednesday, in the final life class in this series of Understanding Grace. Let's close out tonight's service with the grace, the prayer of the grace, and we'll call it done. Hallelujah. The grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely God's goodness and God's mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you.